welcome to Simply Soccer. I'm your host, Michelle Houtin, and of course, my co-host, Christian Conway. Good afternoon, everyone. Yeah, we are still in Southern California, although I have to say it is chilly. <laughs> well, I mean, it's been so warm for so long. <laughs> like, right? It's always going to be a difference. Rain, like what? <laughs> no, but it's, it, it's nice. It was actually legit rain, too. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get the same down there? Yeah, we uh, we actually got pretty good uh pretty good showering, but it's uh, a friendly reminder that winter is here. Uh, well, almost, yeah. <laughs> or did it start? No, that's December. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so speaking of winter, we'll talk about <laughs> the U.S. men's national team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's five minutes. Yeah, uh, two two very I guess morale boosting wins. One of them a, a given was more morale boosting than the other. I think the game against Canada, that was a critical game to win. They, they went out and, and did what a team that at home in CONCACAF should do, which is absolutely, def, you know, put your road opponent to the sword. I mean, also keep in mind, this is a Canada team that has been nothing short of terrible on the road in CONCACAF over the past three or four years. And I think with the, the ease that the United States handled Canada with, I think makes it very easier to see the, lost to Canada in Toronto as an outlier result. Mm-hmm. But there were moments in that Canada game where again you saw a lot of the a lot of the concerning things about this team that it's it looks very disjointed, that it looks like players don't have a clear sense of what the defined roles are tactically and what Fairhalter expects out of them. And I think that's a that's that's kind of the big the big thing that I think you can take away from this year under Verhalter is that there still seems to be a lot of confusion in terms of the tactical, like the, the, the way they tactically want to set up what their individual roles are and how rotations and so on and so forth defensively work for this team. So I, I think it's going to be, I mean, it's again a learning process. It's a new head coach and, and, you know, it's easier to have a quicker learning process with a club head coach because you see these players day in, day out for, you know, 36 weeks of a season for national team coaches, they have to maximize whatever time they can get. And that's why I think Bearhalter did that, uh, that pre-camp for all of the players of MLS teams that had gone out of the playoffs and had them come to Orlando early to try and get this going. But he's going to have to do that with the European players in some way. And I'm not sure how he can do that, you know? So again, I think this is the end of Bearhalter year one. I think, you know, probably give it a, a C, C plus grade, but I mean, we knew there was going to be teething problems, and I, I think we saw over the end of the year those teething problems come to the fore. I notice, like, of course, constant roster changes, and I think, you know, with his starting 11, and it's it's like, I, I get that, I get it, but at the same time, it's like, I just don't know what it's going to look like every time and against two and like there's no consistency and that's what's always consistently bothered me um you know Jordan Morris now is doing Jordan Morris things and playing well but at the same time look at the teams that we're playing um I think I think if you're if if I mean not to like put down the teams we play but I'm just saying I mean it's Cuba (laughs) like exactly what I was thinking Canada and 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 for all the strides that Canada has made it is still a, a Canadian national team that is very young and prone to to young player mistakes. Um, I think in terms of the, the squad rotation, um, I, I initially was in your camp where I was frustrated by it because 
with national teams, it's so critical that you have a consistent starting 11 because you don't get the chance to forge reps every week in practice. But I've kind of come around and, and, and said to myself, if there was going to be a year in a player pool that you need to quickly decipher and determine what you've got, this was going to be the year where there's nothing really competitive. I mean, the Gold Cup was this year, and they, and they and they had a respectable Gold Cup showing, there's no question. But outside of that, Nations League and a group with Canada and Cuba, two teams that you know you can handle, amongst a lot of other friendlies against, not, I'm not going to say cupcake teams, but teams that are in either states of rebirth as a national team program or states of of decline as the natural ebb and flow of national team programs go based off age and, and player pools. If you had a year that was kind of a free pass, just experiment and try new players and kind of, you know, have an idea. And I think Greg Bearhalter looks like a red wine guy to me, but like you had an idea, <laughs> you had an idea over a glass of red wine after dinner and you want to try it. Like this was the, this was the free hall pass to do it. Now with qualifiers coming up next year, now with all this other stuff, you now have to, next year, the focus is going to be much more about a, co- a cohesive, consistent starting 11 that every single time we can, when the camps are called, we can point to and say, we know what this 11 is going to be. We know what the 18-man roster is going to be. We have a clear idea of everything that's going on. The other thing about it on the rotation front is the U.S. men's national team's best players have been have been consistently injured this year. I mean, Tyler Adams, of course, uh. is, is the big name. But Pulisic's been struggling with injury. Um and a lot of the the big name players just went to new clubs, and you you if you're a national team coach, you have to walk this fine line between I'd like them in our camp, but I also understand that they have to become acclimated in the in a new culture and a new club and a new you know system and everything like that. And so you're kind of almost torn because usually a club if you're a new player, a club will kind of go to your national team and kind of be like, hey, unless it's critical, if you wouldn't mind refraining from calling them in. So he can have time or the player can have time to acclimate into what we do as a club culture. You might see that often. So I think that that also plagued this year for the United States. But I mean, again, it, it, it they had a free pass to really throw things in a blender and, and see, you know, what what tasted good. So I think next year we're going to see a lot more of these this rigidity in terms of the starting eleven. Well, thank you for that. Um, with that said, I would say I would say we should talk about the Cuba game, but I, the only thing I can really think of is it's a miracle that no one got hurt on that field. I mean, they looked like they were paying a potato patch. Like it was, <sighs> I, I, I after they scored after the United States scored within the first minute, I turned it off. I was like, I know how this is going to end, but I just, it, I mean. And I'm pretty sure Jamie had tweeted that like if we were playing like we were against any other team, we would have lost. <laughs> Well, yeah, just because it was Cuba. Like. I, well, I agree, and I think I, they didn't look particularly inspiring. I think it, I think it was definitely a. Measure. But when have they? You know, like yeah. that's frustrating as a fan. I think, I think in this Cuba game, I think, I think the reason they didn't look particularly inspiring was if you're relying on a pass-heavy system of play, and you, every pass that you're making on the field can't go longer than you know four feet because the field just is so thick and like hard to get through, then it's, it's kind of hard to, to impose that style. And then and, and I've mentioned this before, but these are the games where like, you were going to have these games in CONCACAF, we're going to play in these type of fields. I'm interested to see how if Bear Halter saw that game in the Cayman Islands against Cuba and said, I need to have a plan B for when conditions aren't right for my preferred possession passing based style. And I hope, I think, 
when Josie gets healthy and, you know, we have a little bit more offensive um, physicality, I think he'll be more willing to go long. I don't think he wanted to put Josh Sargent banging against, you know, a 17-year-old kid or a 17, 18-year-old kid banging against, you know, like two pretty physical center backs. I think it just, that was a self-preservation thing for uh, Josh Sargent. So I, I, I don't take much out of the Cuba game just because it was kind of a weird circumstance. Um, they were playing an opponent that clearly looked defeated before the match even began. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't take much stock in, into gleaning lessons out of that game. Agreed. Completely agreed. And I know like some people want me to play Dale's advocate, but I can't when I agree. And there ain't nothing else to say about what's going on with the team than what is, you know? Yeah. And so with that, I will segue because Lejet is a U.S. men's national player. And, of course, uh, for our LA Galaxy roster, he has actually signed a what shall be known as a multi-year extended contract with us. Yeah, um, uh, we don't maybe. know exactly how long, I think, yet. Yeah, it's one of those things about MLS that's so weird is that they're so secretive about contract length and and, and contract worth and then... And then all of a sudden, you know, the end of the year comes and it's like, oh, he's have a contract? What? Huh? Like, have <laughs> Exactly. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. This, is a, this is a good, I think this is a good move. I mean, he's... I love him. So I, I, I know that he's had his slump and, you know, statistically, as you, I'm sure, have, like, you know, it's, it's not what everybody, I think, feels most confident with, but I, I trust him. You know, on the yeah. pitch, the midfield. Yeah. Over the season, he had four goals and five assists. I mean, that's pretty solid for an MLS American midfielder who he's never been the flashiest player, but he does offer something moving forward. He's a smart. He's very smart on the ball. He knows he can find a pass. Um, uh, he's he offers a deploying threat in terms of trailing runs into the box for goals. He's he's like he he's one of those midfielders where he's kind of I don't I don't know like. I guess a shuttler is kind of the right word, but he's the guy that's moving the ball from the defensive third into the offensive third. And he's not really going to be a guy that's going to be making the killer pass or, or, you know, making that last ditch slide tackle, but he's a guy that's just going to be solid, consistent, reliable. He's incredibly good in tight spaces with the ball. Um, He's not afraid to run at uh, attackers, which I think is something that the galaxy have lacked a little bit in terms of midfielders is that they haven't had a guy that, you know, in the center of the park, that's willing to, really go and charge at a guy and take on a guy one-on-one and beat him on the dribble, on the dribble, excuse me. So I think Legette offers all of that. And I think that's been a little bit of a cog that's been missing. And he and, scores. Yeah. And, and he's, and, I mean, he's not going to be like a 10 goal guy a year, but oh, no. he'll chip in. Um, Absolutely. So I think he fits a need that I've long maintained the galaxy midfields missed. Um, I know he's not necessarily the most popular guy, but I, I, I think that's because People expect midfielders, all midfielders, to be 10 goal, 10 assists guys every year. And some midfielders just, that's not their role. Um, and I think Legette's not, necess- I think Legette isn't necessarily meant to be, you know, the, the all-encompassing goal-scoring number 10. You know, he's, he's meant to be more of a, a guy that moves the play forward, moves the point of aggression up the field and, and allows the defense and defensive midfielders to, to, to breathe and gives them time to... Uh, get into uh, smarter positions. Yeah, agreed. Um, so <laughs> I am sad. It hurts. Polenta is leaving and we still have Shelvick. Like, <laughs> so the Polenta thing was kind of strange because. Cause it when, let Romney go. 
Well, yeah, that was that. But I also think with the Romney thing, I don't know if it's necessarily they didn't see value in Romney. Because if you look at what they got for Romney, I mean, they got a ton of allocation yes. money. And they got the promise from Nashville that they were not going to select any any gal- other Galaxy players. We did come out unscathed in the yeah. expansion draft. So, well, I mean, if you looked at the people that were available for the expansion I draft. No. Vis-a-vis other teams in the league. If we, were, <laughs> we, ne- we didn't necessarily have the best offering, I'm going to be fully honest. Um, um, side note, uh, AJ De La Garza is a free agent. Can we? Can we? <laughs> I want to get to free agents yeah. in a bit here because. Like, yeah, I know, I know. Class. I just got excited. <laughs> um, so I think they just got the proverbial offer they couldn't refuse for Romney, and it looks like this team is is really trying to acquire as much allocation money as possible. And I think if any team came to the Galaxy with a good offer regarding it, uh, with with a large allocation money offer, I think they're going to be willing to take it. Um, but I think, um, I think with Polenta, um, I think it's 50%. He didn't want to take the pay cut that I think the galaxy were, were going to have him take. And I think it's 50% that, um, I, I believe him when he said he wanted to be, he wants to move to be closer with his family because, of course, as we've said multiple times, MLS is hard. Like, MLS is not easy. And so I think maybe his decision-making is, this is a difficult league. I haven't settled in the way that I should have. But if I was getting paid the same that I was making last year, then I can I can kind of tough that out. But when you have to stare that pay cut in the face and then all these other factors come in, maybe your motivation is, well, if I know I'm going to be paid less, why don't I go back to, you know, around friends, family, and support networks because at least I'll have that even though I'm getting paid less, you know, I'll, I'll have easier access to that. And I think I have a feeling that's probably what happened here with Polenta. Um, mm-hmm. But it does free up the galaxy to offer a massive contract to Daniel Starr, which I think, which I would be happy with. Yeah. And I, I think mean, he's been solid. I think they were going to, I think Starr was going to kind of shake him down or he's going to shake them down for every dollar that he can get. Um, <laughs> And I, I don't blame him. I, I will never get mad at an athlete for, for trying to secure as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Polenta, Polenta leaving was 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 interesting because I didn't think Polenta was particularly. I mean, he had his errors. You know, yeah. he had a, he had his giveaways. Like but, you know, but like every, you said, he needed to settle in. And every center back around this league is that you can point to one or two moments of calamitous just failure. It's the nature of defenders. I know it will happen. Um, so I think, I mean, I, I was surprised by that. I thought the, I thought the Galaxy really were going to make an effort to try and retain him for a year, but I think, I think his contract was something making something like 70 or 775,000 a year. And I just think the galaxy now are really trying to be a lot more salary conscious in terms of the, uh, the contracts they offer um, rather than I think the previous regimes where they threw money at the problem in the hopes that if you throw enough darts at the dartboard at some point, you're going to land a bullseye, right? Like statistically that makes, you know, and that, and I, I think that's kind of what the old thinking was. And now, this is Declosa and Shaloto having a full offseason to to look at the entire salary structure and the entire way that it interacts with allocation money, the salary cap and whatnot. Say, all right, where can we be smarter? And I think that's why some of these players that were kind of surprised that are, are not coming back. I think a lot of it is the Galaxy are trying to really reduce the salary cap in order to bring in the players that they think are going to be most effective and they're trying to be, they're trying to run the, the, the club more efficiently. And I think that's a really, I, I'm, I'm okay with 
that happening. <laughs> yeah, I know that, you know, going into all of this, we are obviously happy with uh, GBS and DTK, what they've done so far. It, I mean, I don't know, this is normal for off season, but I, I guess at the same time, you just kind of feel like the, the rug is being pulled out from under you. Like we knew that this was going to be a rebuild. We knew Zlatan wasn't probably going to come back and, and, and different things like that. But I don't know, to me, it's like, whoa, like, it's like Jenga. Like we're completely breaking this down. I have to rebuild again. <laughs> like, yeah. And okay, here's your pieces. Like, I think with, with Zlatan's departure, I don't think the front office really saw a need to keep, keep the thing together. I thought, apparently. I think if, if, if Zlatan had stayed, I think it's a very different, we're talking about a very different rebuild because they have that, that cap space and that contract on the books. And therefore it really reduces a lot of what they could do throughout, you know, down the line. And that, I mean, you saw that with like bringing in Oriol Antuna on loan, Fabio Alvarez on loan. Like they were trying to loan smartly. They were trying to, you know, be cost effective in the middle of the season when yes. they knew they needed reinforcements. I think now with Ibrahimovic gone, you can kind of, it, the, the whole entire concept of the plan being get the ball to Ibrahimovic and then just prey on defense. That's no longer the reality of the situation anymore in the galaxy. Like now they can really work towards defining a style of play and identity. And that I think is yeah, that critical. I'm excited for. That I'm excited for that. I, I trust them. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, you don't become one of the most respected technical directors in Mexico and, and, and for the Mexican national team, if you don't have half a brain. So, yeah, I trust to close uh, up. Uh, you know, it, it, what it is, is it's, it's PTSD um, because of all the rebuilds in the, the past years. You know, we, we finally felt like a step closer, not only making the playoffs, but beating Minnesota. And, you were you know, we had all the confidence going into that game against LAFC, even though, yes, that game was the epitome and reflection of our entire season. However, um, you know, I understand that we we all have to be patient through all of this, but you're just like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like I'm a, I'm not as close to the cup as we were. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's too soon to say that. Right. I, I I I can understand that perspective because it seems like this is this. The way this this offseason has gone in terms of who's left, mm-hmm. who's stayed, mm-hmm. it almost looks like a team that didn't make the playoffs. It almost looks yes. like that. Yes. I, the only, the, the, for example, the 2017 team for the Galaxy. Some people would argue that without Zlatan, we wouldn't have. But mm. uh, I think they're correct. Um, uh, yeah, agreed. But, I mean, look at, I mean, they've, they've, they've cut, you know, Polenta, Alvarez. Alvarez was leaving on loan, but they never they never bothered to renew the loan or try to make a deal work with uh, Tucumán. Juninho, Joel Pedro, Thomas Hilliard Arce, who was the first pick, I believe, in the 2018 draft, and he was a really exciting prospect. Fernando Carrasco, Lapson, Arellano. Like this is not these aren't guys that are first names on the sheet, but they're in the 24, and like they're they are parts of what made the Galaxy the Galaxy. And so now I think it's interesting to see that a lot of where the gutting happened is. Not Don't forget Bradford Jamison the fourth was still on there. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's an interesting he's an interesting case, and uh, I'll, I'll circle back to him in a second. But mm-hmm. you're not seeing a lot of the gutting in the starting eleven. I mean, if you kind of think about the starting eleven, the midfield comes back, Pavone's back. Yeah, big one. I'm assuming I'm assuming that Steres is coming back, um, just because I think 
there's always needs to be one player who's been around the galaxy for a long time and that kind of that kind of gets it. Um, and I think he does. Uh, Bingham's coming back. I mean, I'm assuming Rolf Felcher's probably coming back. I think if they can get him on a lower deal, he offered a lot. I expected him to be gone, to be honest with you. This is an interesting situation. Um, I think. I guess who else do we like? I said, who else do we have in that position? There's that. Well, and you could probably. I think maybe they're thinking Julian Araujo starts it next year. That could. Okay. Um, that could be where they're going, but I think Rolf offers something that. Now, when you say Alvarez, you don't mean Efrain. Right? Sorry, uh, no, 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 uh, Julian Araujo. My bad, my bad. I was. I'm, no, I'm no, 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 no. I'm, I'm backtracking, and I'm saying I'm talking about the Alvarezes. Oh yeah, I mean Bobby, uh, Bobby <laughs> Alvarez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, there's a, there's a lot of names that I'm looking at right now. No, I know. Same. I mean, we're both here trying to, yeah, navigate not so only like, the rules. I mean, they, they even have on the top of the list. It's like. Uh, what does it say? You can read more about the rules here. Listen, I've been following this club and I got, you know, I, I message you and Jamie all the time. Cause I'm just like, we, I mean, like you said, you need like what, a law degree and then also like a PhD in like <laughs> English lit to be able to understand. I'm reminded, what I'm like reminded of uh, whose line is it anyway, where it's uh, welcome to whose line is it anyway, where the points uh, don't matter and everything's made up. It's like, that's how it sometimes feels with MLS roster rules. Um, but they haven't. A lot of the 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 gutting of this of this team has been in twelve through twenty three or twenty four on the, on the roster. And I think if you look at the smart teams now in MLS, a lot of what they the the top teams are doing is now you have a of, co- of course a very strong you know hyper competitive starting eleven, but you have six or seven guys off the bench that you could make strong arguments for them slotting into the team immediately and not seeing the quality drop. And I think with the galaxy, one of the big things last or this past season that I really keyed on was, all right, what happens when we have to make a sell or what happens when a starting yeah. player go, goes down? I finally felt like we had depth. I mean, we sort of did, but not. I mean, more than we'd had. Yeah. Well, more than we had, but I mean, that's, I mean, change, change up and slowly. I mean, people are, you know, we'll get into the rumor mill in a minute, and I'm like, y'all, I don't know what your expectations are, but yeah. But it's still, I think, I think again, I, I go back to this idea that I think the Galaxy have now, I think enough of the previous regime, the 2017 team, has been cut to the point where now the Galaxy mm-hmm. can really build as, um, and I hate using these terms, but like an MLS 4.0 club almost, like, Mm. to match with the LAFCs and, and the Atlanta Uniteds and the uh, soon-to-be Miami, Inter-Miamis Inter-Miami. of the world are doing. Now they can finally use allocation money to their advantage. They can use the mechanisms that, you know, those teams have done to become, I mean, in, in Inter's case, I mean, we're projecting them to be one of those top teams, uh, Just but based off a lot of their moves they've made, it, it makes sense that they will be that. But I mean, to do the things that like the Seattles and the Atlantas of the world have done to make themselves so effective and so dominant mm-hmm. in in this in this era of mls now the galaxy can really start to compete on that level yeah i mean you know as galaxy fans we're just so used to being the top and this is just what we're not used to being in that's all i agree 110 um i think it was interesting that they've decided to keep um emil coelho 
Yeah, um, I saw that. That was um, an interesting one for me because he didn't see much. Well, well, in, I mean, well, were they going to put him in LA Galaxy 2, though? I mean. That's what I would, I would think. I think, I think they're going to park him in, in LA Galaxy 2. But Shaloto, maybe because Shaloto's, of the League's Cup they kept him, even though it was sloppy play. But he, he did score, you know. Yeah, but I think in the League's Cup that team looked like a team that was a starting 11 that had never played with each other before. I saw that. But they're, they were young, too. Um, right? and, and they were playing two, one of, or probably, I'd say, a, a an A minus two on a side. So like, it wasn't like they, it was sloppy because they, they were, they were playing a good team. Um, okay. But Shaloto, Shaloto seems pretty high on Coelho. And I, I find that really interesting. Um, especially he sees something in the rookie. Yeah. And I, I find that interesting considering his usage rate this season. But I think, again, we now live, you know, BC and AD. It's now, we're now AZ, you know, BZ and AZ, AZ now. We're now in the AZ era of, after Zlatan era of the Galaxy. So I think this is going to be, again, a little bit more, I expect a very different tactical and club identity next year than yeah. we've seen in the past three years. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, what about João Pedro being on that list? And we kind of see Triore, Didi. Um, out of the two of them, I mean, I, I, I'm happy Didi Traore is is getting is is staying. I'm glad he's he's going to get looks. I, I thought again he, got, he had injury too. Yeah, he had injuries and he kind of he had like one bad game, um, and kind of it was the it was the early part of the season and we just never saw him after that. And I yeah, it was the same thing with Araujo where they both they, each of them kind of tossed one or two bad games and then were kind of taken behind the woodshed and never heard from again. Like. <laughs> I don't think it was that bad. <laughs> well, I mean, I know even like Araujo, he made mistakes, but like Araujo had some phenomenal games. I mean, the the home game against LAFC where mm-hmm. he he really effectively shut down the 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 LAFC attack, which no team up to that point had really been able to do successfully. Um, like, so I you know like there's that to me like I'm glad that he's going to get another opportunity at this. I think yeah, I think Shalotto's going to trust him a little bit more in the uh, upcoming season. And, you know, I, I think I keep looking at this and I'm like, I'm, I'm quietly positive right now about where we sit. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, the problem is that there are so many questions that it's like, there is a general sense of unease just because there is, there's no, there's no clear answer to all these questions, but that's the reality of MLS. We're just, we're in a salary cap league. And sometimes you have to sacrifice one thing for the other, you know? Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, Pair kitchen. I'm, I mean, are, are these guys like, we're okay right now or there's still some moves in the winter window? Um, so they're currently contracted as galaxy players, but, um, they will, um, I don't know if MLS, I'm just looking at the, uh, the end of your schedule because yes, that's what I was trying to MLS is so, look at. <laughs> so I don't, I don't believe that there will be any trades in, I don't, I don't think any trades are allowed in this period until the January window takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are, they will be galaxy players till the first of the year. And then if, if they receive offers or if, if, if the galaxy receive offers and they agree, then they can trade those players. Um, I'd be surprised in transit. <laughs> yeah. I'd be surprised if they, they trade Perry kitchen. I th- I thought he was what you want from a serviceable defensive midfielder backup. Um, and you know, I, I, I don't, I, 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 Perry Kitchen's not one of those players you write home about, but you know he's he's a dependable, serviceable. If you need a ninety minutes out of him, he'll give it to you, kind of guy. Yeah. Um, so, so okay if he stays, okay if he goes. Yeah, I, I think yeah. if they get 
if they get the right I, at, them getting rid of Romney, I think, shows a willingness that if, if the, the Galaxy front office can be swayed, if you give them the right offer, um, mm. because they are trying to stack up as much allocation money as possible. I see. And that must have to do with something that's happening in the rumor mill and or just in general smart. Well, they're going to have to sign a lot of players. I mean, I would say a smart money roster, management. <laughs> the roster, as we know it right now, is what, four, nine, 15 players. They're going to have to fill it out. So 24 man roster, that's going to be mm-hmm. that's going to be at least six, seven, eight players. So they're going they're going to have to make moves and, and, and allocation money is worth its weight in gold in this league. So. Um, but I think they've, if you look at the two, first off, the two kind of mechanisms that we know immediately are available to the Galaxy to make these moves, which is uh, free agency, um, which opened, uh, I believe, uh, free agency will open on the 25th alongside with the um, end of year waivers process, which is new. Um <laughs> Uh, they, um, and then the free agency will open that day. So, I mean, if you look at the free agent list, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make sense. Like I'm reading these mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never heard of this before, but if you look at the free agency market, I mean, there's some, there's some names on here that are, you know, they're older players because you have to, uh, it's to achieve free agency in MLS, you have to be 28 and have achieved eight seasons of MLS play, um, regardless of. Team shut our team shifted, um, but there's some names in here that could do a job. I mean, Justin Merrim springs to mind, who was very good in Atlanta. Um, I think he's just a victim of, of uh, financials there. Uh, Ricardo Clark, uh, if you can, he's kind of a bit of a rehabilitation project, but he's pretty good. Federico Iwain, um probably could do another, has one or two more good seasons in him. Um, of course, the one that everyone's been shouting out for the Galaxy to bring back, AJ De La Garza. Yes. Um, I mean, which I will. Okay. So like there's some projects that I have that are in the works that I'm not really telling people on air about. However, um, I will say that I'm working on an article um, about AJ De La Garza's uh, Luca Knows Heart Foundation and we were corresponding. And I, one of the questions I asked him is would he come back and play for the galaxy? So for my podcast listeners, this treat is for you. We're gonna Michelle um, exclusive. And a Michelle exclusive. And I, his his response was, I would never close um, out the possibility of coming back for LA Galaxy. I definitely gave a lot to the club in City of Los Angeles and would make a return if it made sense for my family and me at this point in my career. Well, I mean, if, if we need center backs. <laughs> I know. Um, and we love him. Yeah. And he's an amazing human being. So there's some, I mean, there's some other names on this list that kind of come out to mind. I mean, Beata Shore and Harvey out of LAFC, though I was surprised that LAFC hasn't bothered to make a deal with either of them. Their career set or career outside backs in this, in this league. They've been, they played at the high, they played at a very high level. I mean, uh, Sasha Kledgedin, who the Galaxy were interested in two or three years ago, two years ago. I'm um, over him, but anyway. Didn't work out. But I, I mean, the thing is, I, I think these are like not, they don't have to be like, you You can get away with having very solid MLSers in this league and be very successful. And like, that's what I think the Galaxy might be thinking about too, which is that if you look at the, if you looked at the roster this past season, there weren't a lot of guys that had a ton of experience in MLS. And I think, 
the successful teams in this league are also stockpiling guys with experience in the league that can help foreign players or help players that are new to the league. For sure. Understand the zany, wacky, wild world that is MLS. Yeah. Um, um, I will also did you say, mention Bradley? Uh, I was about to say. Oh my goodness. We, I have, <laughs> we have a colleague that uh, would be firmly against this move, but. All right. I can hear her now. Michael Bradley's available as a free agent. And <laughs> he was probably the best player on the field in MLS Cup. So. Right. I mean, credit where credit job. is due. Credit where credit is due. Now, I couldn't tell. Were you being sarcastic when you said you actually loved him or. I mean, I've always been a, I've always been a, a Michael Bradley fan, but I, I, I've always been a Michael Bradley fan, but I, I have the, 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 or the, the, I don't, I don't have the blinders on to deny that as he's, he's definitely missed a step and yes. he's, he is yeah. getting older, but every now and then he rolls back the clock and just has one of those dominant defensive midfielders. Yes. I absolutely yes. Adore. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> for 60 minutes of that, of that MLS Cup final, there was I can see, no question in my mind, Michael Bradley was the best player on that field. Yeah, that I can see why people stand him. You know, um, I'm thinking of Tom from MLS Aces. I'm like, bro, <laughs> you were so about Bradley. Phenomenal in Italy. When he played when he played in Serie A, he was, he was arguably one of the best midfielders there. And, and that is not hyperbole. Like, he was starting for Roma when he was Roma. So, like, he... he his resume speaks for itself, um, is all I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... You're right. Yeah. So after free agency, we have the re-entry draft. They're calling it the re-entry process. It's the re-entry draft. Um, so re-entry process is conducted the same in the same reverse order of the 2019 season finish, keeping in mind postseason performance. Uh, these are for players that... Uh, what, how do you qualify for this? Um, option decline players who are at least 23 years old with a minimum of three years of service, out of contract players who are at least 25 years old with a minimum of four years uh, of service and whose clubs do not wish to re-sign at the previous salary, and free agents that choose to participate, which, oh my god, MLS. Um, yeah. But there's some good names in here, too. I think I think if the Galaxy can use these two drafts, or I guess free agency is not really a draft, but they can use the re-entry draft to their advantage. Windows. Yeah. If yeah. they can use... There, I mean, there's some really good names in this re-entry draft that I think, if the Galaxy are smart, can either can use as players on this roster, or they can definitely find buyers for to gain other assets. And so I think, I think if the Galaxy can do can use these two window periods smartly, you know, with a level of 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 cleverness, then I think the Galaxy are going to be in a pretty good a pretty good place when we start. On we start the window on January first for transfers in and out of the league. Mm-hmm. And we are constant. Well, okay. Then are we ready to get on the rumor mill? Cavani, Cavani, Cavani. That's exactly what I was thinking for real, and that's what I have in my notes. Like that's the only person I wrote. I was like, Cavani. I mean, <laughs> it, it would be phenomenal if they could do it. I don't know if they they can because if you're so, I mean, the, the problem with doing with PSG is that. PSG will kind of look at whatever offer and be like, that's all you can offer. Mainly because they've, they've got that sweet Qatari oil money, but <laughs> I, I, it's hard for me to see a 31 year old Edson Cavani. Who's he's, he's missed. He's, he's, he's fallen a step, I think, but he's not, you know, it's not to the point where it's kind of like, Oh, he's washed and, and, and taken a leak. I mean, if, 
Kyle Bunny came to MLS, it would be like when Robbie Keane came, and Robbie Keane came young, like he came at 31. And remember how Robbie Keane just dominated the league. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, to this day, Keane. The thing is, I think Kyle Bunny will be two or three times better than Robbie Keane if he comes to the league. And I, I, I don't say that as hyperbole. I just, Kyle Bunny is that good. I mean, he's just a, a monster goal scorer. He's incredibly smart. He's I mean, he runs, he runs like crazy. He, he, he's, he's just, it's, I, I, I'm obsessed with Edinson Cavani. And, and if the Galaxy could sign him, it would be one of the biggest coups that MLS has ever seen. Um, but again, the thing about him at his age coming to MLS is that these guys feel like a, they still have a lot to offer in Europe. And, and of course, I'm sure there's been clubs in Italy. Um, he was beloved at Napoli um, his time there. I'm sure there's probably a club or two in Italy that would be more than happy to offer him what the galaxy can offer and more. But I mean, the other, I, I guess, you know, if I, if I want to instill a little bit of hope for galaxy fans is, you know, coming to America is a, an exciting adventure for, for someone who's never lived there or, you know, is never and coming to Los Angeles. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> it's the reality of being an LA based team is that we seem we'll have an advantage over, you know, say the Columbuses or the, the Toronto's of the world, because a lot of, you know, European-based players, they've heard of five cities in the United States. They've heard of, you know, New York, like New York, Chicago, San Francisco, L.A., and then like Miami, you know. So that name recognition does help. I'd love to see it happen. I don't know if it's – like if I had to put a number on it, I'd say it's about a 10% chance of it happening. But if it happens, that would be massive. That's well, still a 10% chance. Yeah. <laughs> You're telling me there's a chance? Um do people really think that right now Ronaldo could come here? Because I, first of all, would cancel no. my season tickets, and that's just me. But I, I, I know he said he wants to retire in MLS, and and that's always been his goal. But I know, and, but and, I didn't think of him as coming here, though. Yeah, and it's it's not been going well for him at Juventus. He's had a really tough time of it. Exactly. He's, he's also been struggling um, with kind of a a pretty. I wouldn't say it's a serious injury, but one of those pesky injuries that never seems to heal a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> then unless there's Zlatan you come back from. Yeah. It, this it, Zlatan's was a, a, a one-time incident that was incredibly traumatic. It, this injury seems to be more like one of those, those, those pesky long-term ones that just never seems to heal. Um, he and, and Sarri at Juventus have, have, if everyone is to be believed, they're fine. But I think both on field body language and when he gets, you know, he got subbed off and, and, that never happens to Ronaldo unless it's, he's un- incredibly injured, but he got sobbed off for a tactical reason. Um, the body language has, has been not great uh, with him at Juventus with Sarri. Um, however, he sat out two games in Serie A and then all of a sudden popped up uh, on the international break completely healthy and scored a couple of goals. So he's still going after that all-time international goal scorer record. I, Ronaldo, I don't think, I don't think the timing is, I mean, I never know. If, you never know what's going on in a person's mind if the timing is right, quote unquote. But I think he feels that he still has a lot to offer at a major international club. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I just, I, I struggle to see it happen. I think in terms of if it was one or the other between Cavani and, and Ronaldo, I'd say Cavani is probably the more likely. Um, but again, you never really know what's going on in a person's head. I will say, I think if Ronaldo was coming, we'd hear a lot more, no- more noise about it in the media because the Italian media will leak any card sort of link to get clicks like that is, that is they're, they're notorious for doing it. So we haven't really heard a lot of noise about it. So I, I, I doubt Ronaldo is, is in the cards. Um, 
I think if we're realistically in terms of striker transfers um, into the galaxy this year, um, I think the most likely link that I've heard is um, Alfredo Morelos uh, out at Rangers um, in, uh, in Scotland. Um, he's 23 years old, Colombian international striker. Um, he in uh, he's, he's, been a prolific striker 77 appearances for rangers 41 goals um he's he's been linked to a lot of prominent clubs in the premier league um so i think the galaxy would be having to compete against that which i the galaxy lose every time just because the money that's involved in the premier league but yeah again this is this thing where now mls is in a different place where we're no longer i don't think mls is no longer is, is as much of a buying league as it used to be where it where you'd buy, you know, the big name players and hope that it all worked out. It's a selling league now, so you buy young, exciting players and give them a chance and a and a stage on which to sh- which to shine on, and then they go to these major clubs for, you know, a large amount of money. I think Miguel Amiron was the crack that's going to break the dam, where he came to Atlanta, made a massive name for himself, and then, you know, Newcastle United pays twenty five million dollars for him. Like, I think that's going to be the crack that eventually, you know breaks the dam that creates this tide, I think. So mm. it it would be interesting. I uh if they could get more or less, um I again if, if they're competing against Premier League clubs for a young twenty three year old striker, if you're learning that some of the best Premier League clubs in the lane are going after you and you're twenty three and, and you're a striker and, and strikers usually have a, a, a level of ego um because you know it, it's kind of it's part of the job description. Yeah, I, was I, say. I, I think you'd go to uh, the Premier League. Yeah. Um, what about Antuna? Antuna's a weird case. Um, I feel confident saying he's not coming back to the galaxy. Um, I know. Which is because kind of because of his interview. Yeah. <laughs> his latest the, interview. The interview after the uh, the game against uh, Bermuda, which was yeah. actually a lot closer than it should have been. Um, yeah. He he said you know he he said there's been contact with him in a lot of top clubs, and then he was specifically asked about Chivas, and he said yes, uh, there's been contact. I I think he's gonna go to Mexico. I think I, I think it's time I think his time in MLS is done. I think he feels that going to Mexico is probably his best way to get into Europe rather than the MLS. Mm-hmm. I turned to the person I hate and called it the MLS. I caught you, but yeah, sorry, no editing skills yet. That's going on GarageBand. That's uh, that's happening. <laughs> sorry, it's all right. Oh, it's okay. Um no I think GIF, guys. <laughs> I think he he views the Mexican league has a, a much easier way to get to, to Europe. And, he, and he's made no, he's made no doubts in a lot of the comments he's made, not just in that interview, but in interviews previous to that, that his goal is he wants to play in Europe and it, it, every player goes about that differently. And, you know, I think he'll be good at Chivas. I think he's, he's obviously a talented player and, and I think we'll be, uh, we'll be seeing him in Europe uh, sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, our goalkeepers. I know we said Bingham's coming back. Yeah, so I there's an interesting link that I saw maybe two days ago um, that the Galaxy are scouting goalkeepers, and I found yeah. that kind of weird. But then I looked into who they're scouting, and I'm I'm not as surprised. They've they've gone down to to Uruguay, um, and they're scouting Peñarol's um, starting goalkeeper, who he's apparently regarded as one of the best um, 
in the league, uh, Kevin Dawson, which is kind of a weird name for a, a Uruguayan goalkeeper, but um, I don't know how linguistics work. Uh, his nickname is the Octopus, so I think uh, that's a, a pretty good nickname to have as a goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, he's been he's been a, he's been a pretty strong force for uh, for Peñarol. Um, he's a bit on the older side. Um, I believe he's 28. I'm looking. I'm just looking that up right now to confirm that. Um, but I'm, I'd be a little bit surprised if they went for a goalkeeper because mainly I, I, I didn't think goalkeeping was was the issue um, last no, year. No, but um, you know, we, we Bingham had his criticism regardless of his stats being like really well. Um, yeah, I mean, he in in 14 games he kept seven or uh, uh, Kevin Dawson in 14 games kept seven, seven clean sheets, only conceding nine goals. That's that's pretty good numbers, um, and I think. You know, I, I think if you're playing your role, the, the thought is, well, 28, 27, 28, if now, mm-hmm. when, in terms of selling him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I mean, I mean, he'd be a good fit. I think, um, again, I, I, I would be surprised because uh, he was so, cause, because I don't think Bingham was particularly bad last season. But I mean, now with with the way that the game is played, I mean, goalkeepers have to be good with their feet they basically have to act like when they get on the ball they have to act like an outfield player in terms of their passing range and you know seeing passes and, and stuff like that they're almost acting as like number 10s from the back nowadays and I don't think Bingham had that in his I don't think Bingham has that in his skill set I think he's a little bit more of a traditional goalkeeper where it's just about stop sh- or shot stopping with him so I'd be interested to see if if this is kind of an idea to get a guy that's a little bit better with his feet a little bit better passing wise and 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 so forth Okay. Did we cover everything that we wanted to cover? I think we did. I, th- I think it's just... It, I know. The problem is with, with this offseason, especially considering there's a CBA negotiation coming up. And so I think, oh, club, yes. I think clubs are very nervous or gun-shy to make a move and then have the, the realities of the landscape completely change and be stuck with these albatross contracts and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. to, I guess, my, my kind of my caution to all galaxy fans is this isn't going to move quickly like this. No, every smart team is going to be no. waiting for the CBA to be finished before they really start to make the moves that kind of make waves throughout the league. So hopefully they can get the CBA negotiated quickly. Um, I think that's, we all as fans, regardless of team that we support, we obviously want to have a league next year. Everyone have a season next year. So um, I think, but once that, that CBA becomes more clear in terms of where, the changes are going to be, then you're going to start seeing teams make, make pretty aggressive moves. So stay tuned guys. We've got plenty of things uh, coming for you and legal drama this off season, <laughs> the legal drama, dun, dun, you know, like <laughs> cue the SVU <laughs> music. Oh dear. Um, yeah. So stay tuned you guys. Thank you so much for listening once again. And uh, we will be back next week with something we for you. <laughs> we we can always find something to talk about. Oh well. Also, happy Thanksgiving in advance, guys. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I hope you uh, enjoy it with friends, family, and uh, you could also, <laughs> yeah. And also, if like your in laws has some annoying political opinion that you don't agree with and you want to sneak away, our podcast is perfectly or is perfect listening. Yeah, 
It, it is. And uh, my favorite place to hide is usually the bathroom. Because um, <laughs> at least you have a reason to be left alone. That is true. So yeah. We hope that yeah. our podcast can be of use for you to uh, keep sanity during the holidays. You know, our DMs are open in case you ever just want to talk about things that are galaxy related and we can totally talk about it on the pod. So thanks guys. Of course. Later.